I'm Gab. He's Jules. Blue skies over West London. Happy 2024. Happy New Year. First show of the year. Oh, it's only amazing. been 2024 for a couple hours. What better way is it than spending it with you, producer <laughs> Freddie, behind the glass, bright and early? Yes. Oh of my course. goodness. Uh, but you know what? We got to be here because we have a duty to our audience. There's so much going on. Yeah. We had a full week of of of, of Serie A. Juventus beating beating Roma, Inter dropping points. Uh, we have Man City winning, Manchester United losing, yeah. Chelsea nearly losing. <laughs> but we got to start with Fulham and Arsenal. And Jose, I went. Um, I saw an Arsenal team that. Looked really bad. They they actually, if this was like twenty years ago, I would say, oh, they were out on the town over the holidays. <laughs> now we know this is not the case. No, nope. but Arteta agrees with me. He said it was one of the worst performances of the year. Yeah, and I agree with you too. I there's the defeat against West Ham where I think Arsenal were the better team, and on another day they win that game. And then there's this Fulham game where Fulham deserved to win. They were better than Arsenal. Arsenal were really below par in every sense of it. They're defending, they're attacking, the lack of sharpness, the lack of energy, technical mistakes pretty much everywhere, bad passes, bad touches. Despite even taking the lead so early, so you think, okay, they took the lead, they have, they've done the hardest, but even away from home now they can control a little bit. They could not even do that. So it's one win in five now in the league which is worrying, of course, but others have gone through bad patches too and that doesn't mean you won't recover and go again, but, but that was bad. So we saw Raul Jimenez score, obviously. I, I, I was struck by the fact that there is a little bit of kind of... The, the man's been on a journey, right? Raul Jimenez, mm. obviously, with his serious injury, which he suffered against Arsenal, coming back and scoring. Um, I was struck by how... Fulham with really nothing to play for. Because, look, let, let's call a spade a spade, right? One of the amazing things about the Premier League yeah. is that you have these players who put out the effort and the games are competitive when, in fact, they have nothing to play for. Fulham are not going to go down this season. No. And they're not going to qualify for Europe. No. And there, is a, there are a lot of teams in that situation. Fulham, Palace, Wolves. You know, the list goes on and on, right? They have good players. And I kind of feel like big games... Arsenal to town. Yeah, it's, a, it's not so much a Derby thing because, again, and I say this with the greatest of respect to Fulham, maybe the nicest fan base, but they're nice, right? Craven Cottage is not yeah. Fortress Craven Cottage. It's not welcome to hell. It's not intimidating, though. But to the players, they're like, oh, look, here's Arsenal. We're on TV. We're playing, you know, the, the, the team that's at the top of the table, should be at the top of the table. I think for the individuals as well, I think it kind of gave them an extra year, uh, an extra gear, rather. Yeah, of course, but but yeah, and they were up for it. You could tell clearly, even even when they took the, the they considered the goal after five minutes, you you could see they were going for it. I just think this is a it's a good little team. Nothing special, nothing particular. I mean, Palinia, I think is probably their best player, and he won't be there for long because he's going to go to a bigger club. So yeah, it's a, it's a nice team, but this is a team that Arsenal should be should be beating. Mm-hmm. Even away from home, they should they should win. This is not I, a good result at all. I gave you a chance to praise Arsenal. No. And ch- is it praise Fulham? I did. did. But then, okay, you pointed out Arsenal's weaknesses, and I, I, I don't think you can take for granted three points away from home when the opposition have no pressure on them. Uh, but you're right; there were a lot of flaws with with Arsenal. It's easy to go and pick out individuals. Martinelli and, and Havertz, I think, are two obvious ones. Mm-hmm. 
there is a center forward issue, which we'll get to, which I've been talking about all season, at the risk of repeating myself. I am also wondering, against teams that play the way Fulham play, which you know is going to be a lot of teams, I'm wondering about Declan Rice sitting in front of the back four. And I know we disagree here. And I'm not saying Declan Rice shouldn't be playing. And look, when he played for he should obviously be starting. He's one of Arsenal's most important players. Yeah. I am wondering, though, about that position distribution-wise, creativity-wise. When he played for, um, for West Ham, that was a counter-attacking team. Right? Yeah. So most of his job was shielding, and then he could go forward. We could make his quality, That's fair. his quality count. I wonder when he's back there. And I think Arteta shares this view a little bit because we've seen certain games where Jorginho's played there and Rice has played further forward yeah. alongside Udegaard. I'm starting to say maybe Jorginho can't do it every game. Maybe Jorginho's not the right guy and maybe he doesn't want to give up on Havertz. But I'm wondering whether in games like this they wouldn't be more balanced with a guy who can, a guy who's more of a deep line playmaker than Rice. Put Rice alongside Odegaard, allow him to break forward, allow him to, to, to make his decisions when he needs to. Yeah, them. no, and I hear you. I just think that when you play against team who will look at hitting you in transitions, like West Ham, like Fulham at home, then. The lack of mobility from Jorginho maybe is what right. Arteta wants Rice there because Rice is so mobile, he goes everywhere, he's so strong physically, he runs fast, etc. So that's the only reason. You make a good point. Right? If, if obviously Rice makes you much more counterattack proof than Jorginho does. Although, by the way, this thing with Jorginho's mobility and stuff, and gets a little bit constantly overpaid. But whatever. No, but like for I, example, there's one just quickly. There's a counterattack from Bowen against West Ham. There's no way Jorginho can catch him. Rice did catch him. Yeah, no, so no. For that instance. I love Jorginho. You know how much I love Jorginho. I will say, Rice is a better player than Jorginho. But, but I, do, I do wonder, though, if you're 1-0 up away from home, and we've said it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? And you're, you've got a ton of games. We can debate how deep the squad is. He likes to play the same people. I mean, I think 9 out of 11 are always the same for Arsenal, if fit, right? Yeah. You know, the only question mark may be occasionally, occasionally left back, and that other position, Havertz, yeah, Havertz whatever, yeah. Fabio Vieira, yeah, if he yeah. were fit, maybe I'm But you're 1-0 up. And I'm wondering, is there a way to manage the game that actually makes you, so you don't have to be terrified about the transition and what does it mean with Jorginho? And and I wonder I wonder about that, because look, Arsenal did continue to create chances, right, at 1-0 up. And, I, I get Arteta's idea that, look, it's fine. We'll outscore the opposition. We'll create more chances. But I do wonder if Rice is playing that deep because you're concerned about the transition. Maybe set up in a way where you don't have to be so concerned about the transition. Yeah. Did, did you, yeah, you know, maybe. Do you see what I'm saying? Maybe don't commit so many. Especially once you've taken the lead. Because you know what? Arsenal can play on the counter too. Arsenal have very I mean, fast. their goal, to be fair, comes for that love space for Martinelli. I, and the other, the chance Martinelli missed later and whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there whether also to, to preserve energy a little bit, maybe there's a case to be made to manage games, especially if you're not going to rotate as much. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. Although I think Arteta wants them to recover the ball as high as possible, that counter-press to be very efficient and then and then go again, basically, and have those waves. So when Fulham or West Ham have recovered the ball from you, but they're in their own half, they can't get out of there. So that's why you have, yeah. you're there. But then if they do, like on their first goal, where Tom Kearney has literally 
the M1 to run into and then cross the ball for, for Raul Jimenez, then I think this is also too easy in a way. I think the other challenge in a game like this, when we talk about playmaking, ball management and whatever, it's one thing when Zinchenko plays the way he's supposed to play and he's at left back and he steps into midfield. If Rice is there, you've got Zinchenko helping him and Zinchenko is... He's, he's a midfielder. He's not a left back. Right? Yeah, he's yeah. got the, he's got yeah, those yeah, skills. Yeah, yeah, completely. When you've got Kivior doing that, or even my man Tomoyasu, it's different. They're not going to have the quality, the creativity, the the, the passing no. that Zinchenko brings. Kivior tried. We saw. Yeah. He, it's not his thing, right? No, definitely not. He's but he's a left-footed center back. Right? Yeah, yeah, and true. He likes that. Um, I want to touch upon the Havertz situation. Um, I understand the grand plan of the four-one-four-one. I understand the, the the plan of of the waves. It's what Man City do, mm. but Man City, I would argue, have well, they obviously have more quality, but they also have more dimensions to them. I think they can go direct much more uh, effectively. And look, it's easier to do too when you've got a center forward who actually scores a lot of goals. Yeah, yeah, and he's yeah. not Gabriel Jesus. I, I'm wondering, at some point, should you come around to the idea that maybe Harvard should be playing up front? Maybe when Fabio Vieira is back or whatever, that maybe to have that... Dem- because, look, they're being linked right now with Ivan Tony in the media. I would find this very strange. I almost wonder if it's not Ivan Tony getting on the phone to people and saying, <laughs> like, oh, look, I'd love to play for Arsenal. I'm like, yeah, sure you would, Ivan. But the fact is, you haven't played in eight months. In eight months, you need to, and I'm sure he's fit training. Yeah, whatever, he's trained, but he's not match fit. He's not match integrated. He's a completely different profile from Enketia. Which, which is what they would need. If if you think if if Arsenal go and sign a striker, is to bring a different profile than the ones they already have. Otherwise, it makes no sense. Right, but. Equally, if you bring a guy, it's one thing to bring a guy with a different profile and say, hey, he's going to be on the bench and he's going to come on and we're going to, you know, for when we need to, to lump balls and have the aerial attack. But if you're going to do that, you already have Havertz, who I think is very good in the air. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's Havertz's role. And then I don't need to bring in Ivan Tony. Yeah. Bringing Ivan Tony so. in to start means having to relearn how to press, how to win the ball high. I'm not saying he didn't do that uh, at Brentford. But between the fact that he's been out for eight months, between the fact that it's, it's a different profile, I mean, yeah, that, yeah. that's a heavy lift. Yeah, and I think he's expensive too. And also, I think there's... I mean, I, I don't know him at all. I want, I want to hope for him that he was never, he's never going to do the gambling again like he did. But what if he did? You know, what if he does? Sorry. What if he does it again? How long will be the suspension then? So what, you take, you take him... And then six months, a year down the line, he does it again. And then, so I don't know. So I think for Tony, as great as he is, there's maybe a few red flags there and there for all the reasons that we mentioned. I think Arsenal, like all the top clubs, will be looking at the transfer market, but more maybe if there's an opportunity than anything else because they spent big in the summer already. And I think Arteta also, and we will discuss the number nine and we disagree on the number nine. I, I just think that you also... I know they've lost two in a row and they've won one in five and it's, it's a bad spell. Pep and City had one win in six in the Premier League before winning back-to-back against Everton and Sheffield United. This is Everton and Sheffield United, right? 
I think Arsenal were also with that squad top of the table at some point looking really good. So it doesn't mean that all is bad. Because if they fin almost finished, well, they were top at Christmas to first half of the season with this squad, they can well win the Premier League with no, this squad as well. It, there's so, no question. And as we record this, uh, and Liverpool play in a few hours, but as we record this right now on Monday morning, on New Year's Day morning, yeah. by the way, where we're some of the few people working, they're two points out. Yeah. Like, which means they... They're still very much in it. The next game, they could be top of the table again, yeah. right? So <laughs> that's the reality check. I do wonder, though, and I said maybe the answer is internal with the center forward. I mean, we would move on to the center forward thing. I completely understand what Gabriel Jesus brings to the table. But, and it felt like, obviously, last season, Arsenal didn't have any issue scoring goals and whatever, and, and Martinelli scored a, a, a lot of goals, and Saka scored a lot of goals, Udegaard especially. Yeah. This year, it seems to me that if I play Udegaard with Havertz, it's not always obvious. And, and seeing them in person, by the way, as, as I did at Craven Cottage, you realize that there's a lot of awareness, a lot of chemistry that goes into. Neither one wants to get into the way of the other, right? Yeah, yeah. And that takes balance and that, that takes time because the skill sets in some ways are comparable. On top of that, and I remind people, Kai Havertz is learning a new position that he hasn't played in two years. Yeah. Kai Havertz played almost exclusively at center forward in, in the last sort of what, 12 to 18 months yeah. at Chelsea, right? I wonder maybe the answer is in-house. Maybe Arsenal center forward in certain situations should be Kai Havertz. Should be what, Kai what, Havertz, what stops, yeah. what stops him from doing that? Nothing. He played there a little bit uh, in his first half of the season. But I think in... And maybe Arteta likes to play him as an eight because... Right now, Fabio Vieira is injured. Amy Smith throw, I think, could be a good eight potentially. It's still Trossard, maybe less so. Trossard, as we saw against West Ham, maybe less so. More of an impact. But, but yeah, and, and again, this is a it's a difficult position. And 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 Granit Xhaka, for all his flaws and all the criticism that people and even probably us have had through the years, had just mastered that position in in the in the Arteta philosophy and the way this team is playing so well that I think he was always going to take time for anybody to come and replace him. And, and Kai is a very different player than, than Chaka too. So on, instead of just maybe going for a very similar replacement to Chaka in terms of profile, stats, underlying stats, all of that, they just chose slightly different direction in Kai Havertz. And maybe they signed Kai also to be able to play as a 9, as a 10, replacing Odegaard if Odegaard is not playing, if he's injured or something like that. But then... That was also a bit risky, to be fair. So I think Havertz has improved massively, and I think he would have been very, very useful against West Ham in a game like that before this Fulham game. Fulham, when the whole team is not playing well, Kai Havertz is not going to play well anyway. But yeah, I agree with you. I would like to see him as a 9-2-9 again. You said Havertz has improved massively? I think so. I think he had three goals in the last five games before his suspension against West Ham. What's... So... I, 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 maybe I got this completely wrong, but Havertz, before he moved to Chelsea, I looked at him and, and I said, this person's a piece of clay, right? I've used that term before. This person can be molded into something because the skill set is, is remarkable, right? Yeah. He's, he's got tons of quality. He's a big boy. He's a big boy who likes being physical, too. Yeah, yeah. He really has so, a nasty streak to him. But in, in a good way, not, yeah, not yeah, a yeah. bad way, right? He's not a sprinter, but he gets around the pitch very, very well for a man his size. Yeah. 
So it's a question of where to put him. And I kind of feel that at Chelsea, he played center forward by, by default almost um, when you had revolving door managers. Uh, then, then that's where you end up. But does Arteta, you think, does Arteta have an idea? I mean, obviously he's trying him in different situations. If Arteta were here and we gave him true serum mm-hmm. and he said, are you certain what Kai Havertz's best position is? Would he be able to answer that? Yeah, I think he's convinced that he could be like a like a like a Balak of the time, like that number eight that is actually a ten. I think the idea is for him to make those runs late into the box, like we saw at Brentford when he scored that goal late in the game on that Saka cross, for example. I think this is very much the idea, as well as you know participating in the builder play. So I think they ask him a lot, which I think is complicated, and I think that's why he's taken in. But I think I've got. I think he will be successful, he will get there. But for example, people forget that out of position is one of Arsenal's best players this season in terms of ball recovery, how high he recovers the ball, duels won, all of that. And maybe for some people that doesn't matter so much. I, I can understand if you, if you don't really like stats out of position for your team or for a team. I think this matters a lot to Arteta and to the way this team is playing. So I don't think all is bad with Havertz. It's just now we are now in January. So he's been here six months. And maybe after six months, he should be better than he is. I don't know, but I, I, I've got no doubt that Arteta is convinced that this is a position for him. How do you feel about... Arteta basically came out and he said, I think the quote was, whatever. he talked about how they played well against West Ham and didn't deserve to lose and loss, and mm. here they were terrible. Um, but he said, we're going to go again. And some, I think the quote was, with new players, and he said, no, with the same players, meaning... He certainly came out and said he doesn't expect moves in January. You said if there's opportunities, obviously if there's opportunities. Yeah. Who are, is there anybody at Arsenal that you think they would like to move on? Like I, like I look at somebody like, like Thomas Partey, who has disappeared. Maybe he'll pop up in, in, in Africa uh, for, for the Africa Cup of Nations. Maybe not. I'm assuming that's one salary that you would very happily move yeah. on. He hasn't figured it all this season you know my views on him overall as a player yeah yeah um el nani they extended i think el nani can contribute in, yeah. as an alternative there's been talk of shifting kivior and bringing somebody else in to replace him because mm. kivior has a market because he's a left-footed center back and yeah and i think he wants to play more which is a fair, fair point is this basically it if we do see movement it's going to be one of those guys? Is there somebody yeah, maybe, else? Yeah, unless someone mentioned? comes for an Enketia, a Smith-Rowe, a... Smith-Rowe on, Ar- on Arsenal, nobody's going to give you... Smith-Rowe has an No, Arsenal no, that's contract. what I'm saying. I don't, know, I don't know if there's a market for them. Right. If someone comes in, if Crystal Palace wants a number nine and they come for Enketia with a good, with a good offer, I, don't, I, don't know, I, I would suspect that Arsenal look at it and see what they do and if they can replace Enketia, for example, or Smith-Rowe, or Vieira, or Kivior... I would suspect they have already a plan in place for who could come next, and they would do that. But if there's if there's no sale, I don't think anybody comes. And I think I think in a way Arteta is very happy with the with the squad. I don't think Arteta sees the number nine as a debate. I think he needs a number nine that is like Gabriel Jesus, because the style of this team and the way they play is built around a number nine. Not it doesn't have to be Gabriel Jesus, but a number nine with that skill set. 
with Gabriel Jesus' skill set. That's it. You put Ozyman in that team, he might score some goals, of course he will, but he won't participate in the, in the build-up play in the game like Gabriel Jesus does. And right now, this team is not built for a Ozyman number nine. It's built for a number nine with the skill set that Gabriel Jesus has, which is dropping deep, taking, touching the ball a lot, pretty much being everywhere, link up the play. And again, if you look at the West Ham game, there's the Saka header in the first half that Areola saves. This, this cross is from Gabriel Jesus. Ozyman never puts this cross in. Ozyman is not even there where Gabriel Jesus is there to put the cross in, right? right. We've seen Ozyman giving assists to Varaskelia the other day. Yeah, but in a different context. But yeah, yeah. Not same. On the other hand, however, where I, I'm with you, in the second half of that West Ham game, there's a header for Gabriel Jesus that is saved by Areola. I think Ozyman probably scores that goal. Or you would expect a nine like Ozyman to score that goal. So it's a debate of what really you need from a number nine or what you want your number nine to play like and be like and I, have I, the qualities. I think what I struggle with is, and, and I suspect this is, ideally this would be Arteta's nirvana. When you speak of Gabriel Jesus dropping off and participating in the build-up play, in Havertz and Odegaard, you've got two people who could easily run past him and, and maybe this is what he wants and what we've seen them do Odegaard scored a lot of goals last season um, Havertz we've just talked about I don't think that kind of automatic flow is there yet I, and I know Havertz yeah, has, yeah. has just arrived and I think and obviously Gabriel Jesus had that long spell when he was injured and by the way I take your point but when Eddie plays it's completely different from Gabriel Jesus yeah, he can't do too. what Gabriel Jesus yeah, does. He doesn't even yesterday. try to do it, right? And, and I think that's kind of the conundrum that you're in. If Gabriel Jesus could up his output somehow, and, and I think back to what you know, I, I think back to what Pep Guardiola said about Gabriel Jesus, where some Jesus versus Ferran Torres, right? That was the context of it. He says Jesus's natural tendency is always to find space, and, to, and that often means run away from the goal. Whereas Torres is, in his view, and again, it's dated and whatever, yeah. was to run towards the goal. And I, I think if Arteta can crack that, then Arsenal go to the next level. And look, but that's it. But again, if you share the goals, then, then there's not even a debate on number nine, like last season. But, but then, if this season you score less... Your goal scorer is Saka with six, I think, including three pens or something like that in the league. That's just in the league. Then the next one is... I'm not even sure. So you've got... Gabriel is on three in the Premier League, I think. Martinelli hasn't scored much. Odegaard neither. Maybe Odegaard is on four, something like that. Harvest would be on three. But potentially, you've got players who could easily have, let's say, 15 for Jesus, maybe 15 for Saka, 10 Martinelli, 10 Odegaard, 10 Harvest and then a few from your defenders, this is okay. The problem is, if, if you don't share them and they don't, they're not on that level, then, yeah, it's, it, it could become a problem. All right, so our producer, Freddie, wanted us to do percentages. I said, look, we're going to look stupid. Liverpool are playing tonight and whatever. But then again, it's New Year's Day. It's one day of the year where we can, we can, look, we can look foolish. I want to do this slightly differently. Okay. Right? So... I'm just going to mention the team, and you tell me if they can win the title. Don't give me percentages yet, right? So it okay. should be easy. Liverpool? Yes. Manchester City? Yes. Arsenal? Yes. Villa? Yes. Ooh. 
Spurs. Yes. They're all in three points, so they Manchester can all United? win the title. No. Chelsea. No. <laughs> okay. Right. No one else. He's those five. One of those fives. Liverpool, Arsenal, City, Villa, and Spurs. Yeah. So, I'm going to go first on this, and I am going to give City a 40% chance of winning the title. I agree. I'm going to give Liverpool a 25% chance of winning the title, and at the risk of being like a little stupid because they could be. Well, actually, if they win tonight, only three points clear. But still, um, I'm going to give Arsenal a 25% chance. I'm going to give Villa a 3% chance and Spurs a 7% chance. 7% for Spurs sounds high, doesn't it? <laughs> okay, no, no, I'm going to make an amendment. I'm going I'm okay, to give Spurs so I'm going to give Spurs a 3% chance as well and increase Liverpool and Arsenal to 27% each. How's that? City 40%, Liverpool and Arsenal 27%, Villa and Spurs 3%. Happy with that? So I'm going to do City 35%, mm-hmm. Liverpool and Arsenal 27% like you, <laughs> and then the rest divided by Villa and Spurs. Interesting. So you actually, you believe in Ange... And Unai, huh? No, not, well, not much. Cause that's, well, but you believe yeah, more than I do. Well, slightly more, but not right, much more. That, that's not much more. That's interesting. All right, enough Arsenal. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, Gab. Manchester City moved to third, two points off the top after their 2-0 win over Sheffield United. Jules is inevitability setting in, buoyed by having becoming world champions again. Yeah, I th- I you're think not the- impressed because it's Everton and Sheffield United. Yeah, so there's a bit of that, maybe. No, there's a bit of that, and especially the first half against Everton wasn't good, but the second half was great. Everton what- are good. Yeah, yeah. What I'm more excited about, really, in all of this, I think the Club World Cup. People say it's a Mickey Mouse competition. People don't understand anything. People are stupid. This is this is. I think he really boosted them, and Pep talked about that. <laughs> What I'm really excited about is to see what happens with Phil Foden and the number 10 battle. Because at some point, we will have a number 10 battle. Because when Erling Haaland comes back, do you play Alvarez behind him? No. Do you play Foden behind him? No, you play Kevin De Bruyne. Who's you play fit? Kevin De Bruyne and behind him? he's got him. longer hair. So why would you not play Phil Foden behind him when Phil Foden is so good as a number 10, which we told Gareth Southgate forever, and Gareth Southgate was still like, well, you can't play centrally because, well, because you don't know much football, Gareth. <laughs> well, who do you play? No, this is one more, more excited to see what Pep does when everybody's fit and who plays where. <sighs> but they are they options. Are they options. are very good. Juventus pulled within two points at the top of Serie A with a 1 0 win over Roma. As my boy Adrian Rabio, Paris Born and Bread, scores the only goal. They're not going away, Gab. They're not going away. This is funny against Roma because you, you, you imagine, like, sort of, this massive war of attrition, right? Yeah. Sort of. You know, immovable object versus immovable object. And it was like that for a lot of the game. Roma, again, very, you know, very Dybala dependent. You know, you oh, that outside of his foot that just goes wide. I, I thought so you would enjoy that. So Other than that, you play three midfielders who are just there to destroy. You can't find room for Lorenzo Pellegrini. So inevitably, hey, yeah. It's going to be tough. You're going to have to get a goal. Dybala's going to have to do something to win. And the problem is when you try to play that way, given that Juventus have been playing that way for like the last 30 years, it's going to be tough. But yeah. we saw Kenan Yildiz, I thought, again. Yeah, I love He looks really, really good, really young. If you're, you know, and, and it's, look, much as I don't like giving a credit, 
Look, in the end, he said he's got lemons. He's making lemonade. Yield is looks like he can contribute. Yeah, I agree. Um, Vlaovic also he benched him, then he brings him back, and I thought he contributed too. Yeah, battled yeah. well against the the three defenders, set up the goal. So, so yeah, I think you feel pretty good about this. Yeah, but Rabiot is the king, obviously. Rabiot. Oh yeah, it's, it's all about the Rabiot. Oh, Rabiot. Liverpool kick off against Newcastle in a few hours as we're recording this on New Year's Day, Jules. But in the meantime, Aston Villa are level with them at the top of the table after beating Burnley three two, thanks to a late. Late Douglas yeah. Luiz penalty, which our man Vincent Company didn't like, but I'm sure LME has no issue with. Yeah. Is Emery a little bit lucky? I'm not sure it was a pen, really. That was really soft on on John Duran. I, yeah, I think they were lucky. I expected them, especially when Sonderberg got his red card for Burnley, that they were going to play for 40 minutes with 10 men. I thought, this is it. Villa is just going to bliss them. And nope. instead, not at all. And Diego Carlos also quite lucky, too, to stay. Yeah. That was a handball every day of the week. He, but he makes movement with his arm. You could see. Yeah. Um, I didn't understand that at all. And to be fair to Burnley and give them credit, it's the first team I see that really handles the, the offside trap really well because Foster scores obviously being on sides on the high line. There's a couple of other times where they beat it again but didn't score. So I, I thought they had worked really well and they deserved the point, Burnley, easily. That guy Odeberg, by the way, is a player and a half. Paris I, I thought, you know, without Luca Coliosho, they're going to yeah, pride in Norwalk. Guy, but, you got, but my guy turns up too, you but know. Yeah, your, your guy's good too. Back to that Juve-Roma game, Gabi. Dusan Vlaovic was racially abused by visiting Roma supporters. Do you expect action? We use the term racial abuse. Obviously, it's not racial abuse the dude is white it's territorial abuse discriminatory yeah. abuse it's a catch-all thing they have heard it before they've had it before yeah. yeah they basically they call him a gypsy yeah. and i think it's entirely fair to be lumped together because this is a, a a part of the population that's been um you know that's been discriminated against for mm. for many years not just in italy but around europe i don't even know and i don't even know if this is the right term some people use the word traveler some people use the term romani people i don't care i don't even know if Vlaovic is a part of that community or not. I don't think he is, actually. I don't think he is either. But, but they you can't do that, that. All the people from the Balkans, they call them that, right? Because we saw that with other Croatian I, or Serbian. Some, not or, all of them, but no, some but of them. Lot, we saw yeah. with Mihailovic, we saw it with Juric. I, you can't do this. You cannot do this. And it's interesting because at Juve Stadium, they have cameras up the wazoo. They used it to ban their own supporters who were who had yeah, abused Romelu Lukaku, of course. And Mike Mayo and, Mike, well. and Magic Mike. Uh, I want to see them take action against the visiting fans as well. I, I, Juve can't. I suppose Juve could ban them from their stadium. Maybe. I don't know. But this is now up to the league. They should have all the footage. They should have all the information that they need. Yeah. And ban the individuals. And Roma, I expect them to distance themselves as well. Now, we had to go there. I, I left it as late in the show as I could. But yeah. Manchester United lose again. 2-1 yeah. away to Nottingham Forest. A lot of absentees. No, Hoyland's on. Oh, but you got please. any positives for me? Why? What would I be positive? Well, because Ahmad Diallo came on and actually looked decent. There's your answer minutes. on the right. No more Anthony ever. Diallo on the right. Garnacho on the left. Where's Rashford? He can play through the middle. Or Hoyland. Maybe Hoyland okay. will come back. Or... I thought it was a bad performance. Terrible. But we said, we've warned you people. We said it's not because you come back against Villa that you suddenly become a good team and that Ten Hag becomes a great manager. This is not... It just it doesn't work like this. And yet, they... I just don't understand what they did in that game, what the idea was. Why do you take Kobe Mainu out at halftime? So he's the only six that you have in this team. 
you replace him with another uh, number eight in Scott McTominay. So you've got Ericsson and McTominay supposedly what? Protecting your back four. By the way. And then you can see two goals that are exactly the same with so much space at the edge of the box for Dominguez and for Gibbs White. I mean, what do you expect? About McTominay. I, I take your point an attacking midfielder, you leave the hole, whatever, right? But, dude, Scott, if you're listening, you are a reserve on this Manchester United team. You love the club. I'm assuming Ten Hag told him to come on and sit in front of the back four. If he didn't, then Ten Hag made a big foolish mistake. I expect McTominay to be able to adapt. He's played center half in the past, right? You could say it's not his best position, not his natural position. That's fine. I'm not going to build my team around McTominay. So if you want to play, you have to help. So it's one of two things. Either Ten Hag did not tell him to go and sit in front of the back four, in which case Ten Hag is wrong, or McTominay came on and said, ah, I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm a 10. Look at me, right? I, and as simple yeah. as that. Yeah, well, it's I don't know. Those but two then things. Don't, why did he take... I don't know why he took Kobe Maino out. Ah, oh, damn! It's just beyond me. No, Lautaro Martinez and Inter are held away to Genoa. One-one, Gab. I guess the good news is that Marco Arnautovic finally scored for Inter. Yes, after forty-seven games, something like that, dating back ten years. Um, look, I everybody's down now. All of a sudden, no, look, it's, Inter are not Lautaro dependent. Turam had a bad game. Yeah, and simple as I, I, I think they still had the better chances. Genoa aren't terrible. You will drop team. points. You're not going to win drew, every You've drew a Genoa 2-1-1. One, one. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not flipping out over this, and I don't think people should. Tottenham beat Bournemouth 3-1, which means Ange Postecoglou is now just a single point behind Arsenal. Uh, is it weird to you that they could see the 24 shots on goal? I saw the stat. Yeah, I it was a 24. And, and Spurs themselves had 12. That's so weird, huh? the away team had twice more shots in the game. A lot of bad shots. Yeah, a lot of bad. I was going to say it's not the edge, it's not high. But still, but but this is what's going to happen because it's very open with Ange, especially when you are out, where you have no Romero, no Van de Ven, and you play, you know, with our boy Ben Davis a centre back, but Emerson Royal. So I think there will be always a lot of things happening in their games the most important even if he was not always perfect that game is that they won it before Son goes away at the Asia Cup which is a massive blow of course for them not to have him for potentially between four uh, two to five games but this is the way it is but at least they won that on the back of the, the, the heavy defeat at Brighton this is what they needed so well done for reacting that way even if he was maybe not the best edge ball that we saw this season and Richard Lisson scored again maybe he'll yeah. become be the goal scorers that they'll need when uh, Son is gone Carlo Ancelotti is staying at Real Madrid it's the big news of the start of this year he's extended his contract until 2026 which means he won't be taking charge of Brazil this summer we told you we told you what do you make of it? 2026, there's a World Cup that summer. His contract ends just before the World Cup. Ah, surely he can't do that. No, look, my thought's very simple. You can behave like a grown-up and like a gentleman and like a nice guy. Very, very clear from the start. He was talking to Brazil because his contract was, was expiring. He said he loves Real Madrid, and if they gave him a new deal, he would strongly consider it, which means he would take it. Yeah. Um... And Real Madrid decided to give a new one. It's, it's not a big deal. All, this, all these clubs, these comms people, these PR people tying themselves up to not. Just be honest. Be direct. Be direct to both sides. I think the guy, Aginaldo, who was the, the, the president of Brazilian the former, FA, yeah. who then, yeah, now he's been suspended. He may or may not come back. It's been for administrative reasons, incidentally. Um, 
maybe that might have changed things one way or the other. Um, but yeah, no, I think he was honest and straight up from the start, and we knew that. So he wasn't playing one off the other or whatever. If the results had been terrible, yeah. then Florentino wouldn't have taken him. Does mean Xabi Alonso is going to have to wait a little while longer. A little bit longer. And who's going to go to Brazil? Raul. Jose Mourinho. Imagine that. Can you imagine? I would love that. No, what if Xabi Alonso went to Brazil? <laughs> oh, my God. That'd imagine. be cool. <laughs> Chelsea win back-to-back games for only the second time this season as they beat Luton away 3-2. Jules, it's the Cole Palmer show. Yeah. Um... But they were sweating at the end. And how about the XG in this game? 2.58 for Luton to 1.25. It's no it's wonder Jago Silva, not happy. Not happy at all at the end. We saw him despite the win. His face said it all, I thought. And I'm going to say to what I said to you again. And it's a win, so you take it, of course. And right now, Chelsea, Chelsea the, the position that Chelsea are in, they can't really like be too picky on it's a win, it's a win. Take it. But it was not a good win. And I thought after the 70th minute, when Luton had a goal disallowed, when they were 3-0 down, you could see that the momentum of that game has shifted. So as a manager, if I'm the Chelsea manager, and I can clearly see that my team now already hadn't been great, although they were 3-0 up, but they hadn't been great, I can see that now the game is slipping away, that the other team is on the front foot, that they're better than us, that they're coming at us. I do something, right? Do I stay like this, doing nothing? I don't think so. Right. What did Posh do? Nothing. Thank you Former very much. Former PSG manager. Thank you very much. Christian Pulisic scores. The only goal has Milan. Dancer swallow 1-0 to consolidate their third place in the table. Any sign of progress? I think there were signs of progress in, in the team. It was, it was tight, but Benacer, I think, is a oh, really, lovely. really Great important assist. player for them. They still have injuries. You play Taylor Hernandez and Simon Kerr at the back. What do you expect? Uh, but Pulisic quietly having a very good season. Six goals and four assists at the halfway mark. And he's only the third option up front. Jules, let's go there. No, it's now January. No. Killian Mbappe's contract is up in less than six months, which means he could be signing with somebody right now. Yeah, but he won't. He could be signing for Arsenal. What do you know? Yeah. Oh, no, but Gabriel Jesus is there, so that would be tough. Um, now, thoughts? Getting nervous? No. no, no. no, no I'm, look at me. I, I'll I'm be asking cool. you this question. I'm cool as a cucumber. I'll be asking you this question. It's fine. Pretty much every single... If you want to, but leave us alone. Leave us alone. Napoli... Let's talk Masters. Nothing disaster. is happening now. Napoli are held at home by Monza. Nil nil is another disappointment for your friend Walter Mazzari. My friend, so, yeah. President Aurelio De Laurentiis did something quite unusual after the game. So, Aurelio De Laurentiis is one of the most unpredictable people around, yeah. but he did something or he came out and he apologized. He, he's already said that he should have, you know, like, oh, the day I appointed Rudy Garcia, I, I knew it was a mistake. Sack yeah, him straight you. away. Um, he didn't quite say he wants to sack the master of disaster uh, either. But he said, it's my responsibility. I make the decisions. The buck stops with me. You know, I'd love it. I'd love it if some of these owners who make stupid decisions go out and face the music. Simple as. United are noted for their one-year contract extension options that for a while, I don't know if it's going to continue, but they put into every contract. Yeah. The Athletic reports that they will extend Victor Lindelof for another season, but not Rafael Varane. Does this make sense to you, Jules? I mean, Rafael Varane earns more money than Victor Lindelof. He's mm-hmm. also a better player. Uh, I don't. If you don't want Varane anymore, just say it, and, and just everybody knows he can already planned what he's going to do 
you don't want him in January, you want him gone for the season, tell him and he will find mm. another club. And trust me, there will be big clubs after him too. For Victor Lindelof, what's the point of keeping him? To what? To, to preserve walk? his transfer. Yeah, walk <laughs> the bench. <laughs> uh, I mean, this I'm, club is just beyond me. So I would assume, and I'm going to give United the benefit of the doubt here, even though I probably yeah, shouldn't. Um, I would assume it has to do with the fact that Varane... Obviously, he's not he's not Ten Hag's cup of tea, right? He dropped yeah, clearly, them before yeah. and whatever, and then he had the the mystery flu, you know. And if I'm Varane, I look at this and I say, "Man, I can't get into the side. Lissandro's out." I mean, I'm assuming Varane looks at these people objectively and says, "Hey, I am substantially better than all yeah. these center backs, probably even including little Lissandro." But yeah. whatever, you want to put him on my level or even ahead of me, that's fine. But I, yeah, yeah. I'm better than yeah, Maguire yeah. and Evans and Lindelof, right? If he doesn't play me, I'm old. I should find another club. But the problem from United's perspective is, are we sure Eric Ten Hag is going to be the manager the rest of the season? We're not, right? No, we're not. You're right. So the new guy might come in and say, wait a minute, I had Varane here. What are you doing? Yeah. Now he's gone, and now I'm stuck with Lindelof. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or ever. You know, so that's the issue. Yeah, The Italian government have made changes to tax law that have made Italian clubs very angry with Milan Chief Executive Giorgio Forlani saying that it was a dark day for Serie A. Gab, what could he be talking about? What's so bad? So, okay, so basically this is one of those things which is bad for Serie A, um, but I think is good for taxpayers, good for normal people, good for ethics. And Forlani speaking from the perspective of the guy who runs a Serie A club, if I were in his shoes, I would say exactly the same thing. It's bad news for them. Yeah. Basically, they passed a law um, three years ago, something like that, where to stimulate growth, they said, look, we want to attract high-end executives to, to, to work in Italy, make it easier for Italian companies to hire talented foreign uh, executives and so on. Yeah. And so we're going to give you essentially a really, really big tax break because if you make more than a certain amount of money, I think it's a million euros a year, if that's your compensation, you're only fully taxed on half of that and the other half, your tax, I think, is 15%. So essentially, rather than being taxed full whack, you basically That's a huge get, advantage compared to other countries. Yeah, there's some stipulations. You have to be new to Italy. You have to be there for two years to take advantage of this, blah, blah, blah. Um, but it's a big giveaway. So Serie A club said, ah, Romelu right. Lukaku's kind of like an executive, right? Uh, which he's not, obviously. Uh, so they took advantage of it with footballers because, you know, they are the other high earn earners. Uh, so they've closed this loophole. They've closed this opportunity. I think ethically it's the right thing yeah, to do. Surely. It's going to hurt Italian clubs. Now they're going to have to find this money. Yeah. Jules, I didn't mean to bum you out earlier with ah, that Mbappe okay. question. So, so to make up for it, tell me about Gabriel Moscardo and Lucas Bellardo. And not just, not just two guys with accidents. No, yeah. I mean, they're two young Brazilians that PSG have just signed. Uh, okay. what, what, what is the Brazilian Declan Rice? I read it in... It, Moscardo is 18. <laughs> so he's the Brazilian Declan Rice because he's tall and... Like, because he people. plays similar way. Like, and in the same Moscardo, position. Moscardo, baby, no? Not no, yet. No. It doesn't work exactly the same. And guess what? He's injured already. <laughs> he won't be able to play for the next three months. So here you go. I mean, this is my club for you. Lucas Berardo is a left-footed centre-back. We mentioned Kivior before. Uh, very promising. 20. So Moscardo is 18. 20. They both, co- they both, both cost sorry, 20 million euros. 
I mean, there's a long history of Brazilian players and PSG, all of that, blah, blah, blah. Um, I just thought right now they need more experience than youth again, especially in midfield. Imagine playing Moscardo and Zaire Emery, a 17-year-old, uh, I mean, two soon 18-year-old 18 because Zaire Emery is 18 in February. I just, yeah, this but is... But you also have little Vitinha, you've got other options. Yeah, but it's not good enough in midfield. I, I, we've said that before, we've established that. Is Moscardo going to change? The, the midfield kind of dynamic, I'm not so sure, especially now that he's injured for three months. <laughs> he's hardly arrived in Paris and he's already out. I mean, what about Belardo, though, right? Oh no, Kimpembe is coming. No, virtual so Kimpembe Kim is not coming back. What about virtual no, Kimpembe? I'm quite worried for Kimpembe, yeah. So let's see what Belardo has to offer, really. These are Luis Campos guys, yeah? Yeah, and Belardo <laughs> can't be as slow as Crignard. This is not possible. Yeah, I didn't tell you. Did yeah. I tell you about yeah, Milan's yeah. No, you did, you did. This, this is what gets me. Anybody who saw... Uh, sorry, I, I, I sense a rant coming on. You know, Skriniar, he's obviously has people who speak to the media, and they've built, they, they built him up going back to when he was good at Inter. Remember, he's linked to Manchester yeah, United, yeah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, 70 million, 80 million, 100 million. What I don't get, and look, I ultimately he left because he wasn't going to extend his contract. But you could see Inter last season. Look, they got really, really good when... When this dude stopped playing for them. Yeah, he had a bad back as well. Oh, yeah, and he has a bad back and everything and a bad head. Come on, man. He was a free agent. I can see what PSG took him, but yeah. I've got high hopes for Bellardo and Moscato, to be fair. FIFA have announced that they are suspending their new agent regulation, which were due to come into effect this January. Gab, why are they doing this? Because they have to. Oh. Uh, so basically, the, 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 there's two key elements to the new FIFA, to, to the new regulations that, that FIFA approved. One is that you can no longer represent all three sides in a transaction, as we've told you many times before. When a player changes clubs, there's usually a buying agent who represents a club. There's usually a selling agent yeah. who represents the other club, and there's the player agent. Um, clearly, they're all working for different purposes so you would imagine if football were a normal business yeah. uh, they'd all be paid for the people they're working for I said football's not normal so you had situations where you had people who were getting paid from all three sides That's in the transactions right. uh, now that you can get paid from two sides in the transactions not three under these regulations uh, and on top of that they put a cap on commissions um, which, which is the biggest issue here right which is the single biggest issue I'm on the record saying this. I think the cap and commissions is completely wrong and unjustified. I think agents have ex agents should be allowed to earn as much as they want from the deal. But we need to have transparency. They should have pushed the transparency angle yeah. where I want to know so that I as a fan or I as a media or I as a shareholder of a club can go to my club and say, hey, why did when Moscardo and Bellardo moved to Paris Saint-Germain, why did yeah. you play Julian Lawrence 50 million in commission, right? I'm worth it. Uh, because he's worth it, right. And what did he do during that? Now we had a situation yeah. where, no, we can only play Julian Lawrence, was it 3% or whatever, 12% with the, but whatever. A certain a small percentage, but we'll never know how much it is because we're not allowed to do that. So anyway, agent, they've, they've been subject to a million lawsuits, agents in uh, courts in Germany and Spain ruled that these are, basically they're not compliant with European okay, law. Yeah. Um, and so FIFA said, all right, well, we're going to suspend this until we get an opinion from the ECJ. I think they're going to get rid of the cap. Um, I would love them if they want to be, do something meaningful, introduce the transparency side, but let agents no, earn it's great. It's great. whatever they can negotiate. 
Gio Reyna has started twice as many games for the U.S. national team this season, four, than he has for Borussia Dortmund, two, and one was in the Pokal. <laughs> Bill are reporting that his dad and agent met with the club to discuss his future. His contract is up in 2025. What would you suggest, Jules? Because there can't be any discussions, Gab. He has to go, and he has to go now. He can't waste more time now. I looked it up. He played 229 minutes in the Bundesliga so far. Can you imagine? This is nothing. He's a young player. He needs to play. He's a talented kid, too. So it's not if it was rubbish and you said, you know what, you're, you're lucky to be in the squad anyway. Like, stay there. Get your money. Get the few minutes that you can. But no, he can do better than that. He, 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 I, think, I think he should. It's too late now to stay. You're not going to play the second half of the season. There's no way Terzic is going to change why? What he happened? keeps rotating his wingers constantly. But, but wait, Everybody rotates in and out except for him. If I hadn't played him before, he's not going to play him now. Just go now. If, even if he's on loan for six months to show what you can do, and then in the summer 2024, you get a, you get a transfer somewhere, maybe where you were on loan before, whatever, it doesn't matter so much. But you need to play, and you're not going to play in Dortmund. So go. So... I think this is, um, I mean, it's a great point. There's no question. He is still, to this day, despite everything that's happened, probably the second most important player on the U.S. national yeah. team, right? Uh, I, he is orders of magnitude better than everybody else, not named Christian Pulisic, even adjusting for positions. Yeah. I can watch Matt Turner again this weekend. I, yeah. Seriously, I wonder, who, who is important on this team other than Pulisic and Reyna, right? No, no, no. Difficult. Um, what I would hate, what I would absolutely hate is for Dortmund to say, well, wait a minute, we don't want to send you on loan because then in the summer you're only going to have a year left and then you'll be worth less than, you know, then obviously that's going to affect if you do then well you on loan. Now. Yeah, no. I think the solution here is extend his contract for a year or, or get a club option to extend it for a year so that they can preserve his value and then yeah, send him on loan. Yeah. If he doesn't go for that, then, then fine, go to sit there and play three minutes against Heidenheim and effectively rob. Because the other thing with that, Dortmund is, A, Dortmund aren't very good this season, right? They're fifth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're very inconsistent. B, they have so many winger attacking yeah. midfielder types. On, I, again, I don't know how they put this team together. I, but, 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 but between Adeyemi and Brandt and Bino Gittens and, and Royce, and it goes on and on and on. Enjoy Daniel Marlin. Yeah. Right? How's he going to get on the pitch? I know, exactly. For me, there's just no, there's no, there's just one thing to do is to get out. That's it. Maita Mulango, the head of the Players' Union here in England, said that fixture congestion is so bad that they're actually thinking about legal action. Gab, it seems that Pep Guardiola and other managers are in agreement with him. What, what do you think? So I think the issue here is something that only affects elite players, right? Because further down, players want to play more games because they want to make more money also because they're yeah. not playing 60 games a season or whatever um i think we need actual science in this um i know both fifro and the pfa produce endless papers about blah 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 and with the opinions that's fine i think we also could do something more useful which is look back look back 20 years ago more players getting injured for longer, you know, I can actually get real numbers, and then you can make your case. I think he's right. The players control this, but the question is, well, it's got to it's got to be a specific group of players, and this is the problem. The players' union covers all players from all pros, right? 
this is a problem that affects the guys at the very, very top because they're the ones who are playing too many games. It's not that people are playing 40 games yeah. a year. So they have to think carefully about this. I think one solution, I brought it up before, it seems really wacky, but if it's supported by science, could be a solution. You know, air traffic controllers, truck drivers, they have mandatory rest. Right? They can only work for yeah, so you many drive hours. for eight hours and then you need to take a pause. Then you have to yeah, take a break. Yeah. Same thing, uh, airline pilots, yeah. whatever, right? Maybe it's going to be the same thing for footballers. Maybe yeah. if you've played X amount of minutes, certain circumstances, blah, 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 you have to sit. And then maybe managers like Pep need to then, well, he's all right, well, maybe this is the game where I, I, I drop Holland for somebody else, blah, blah, blah. Maybe this is the way forward. I don't know. But it's obvious that the players need to come out And it's the players of the big clubs, and they're the ones who can make a difference here. And I don't want to hear this hypocrisy of just blaming FIFA and UEFA for, oh, blaming them. Because, yeah, their job is to make more money. Your job is to... Hey, everybody's job, everybody's got a role to play, right? Yeah. And you can't just go and blame. You have to take action, and you have to defend your corner. Um So hopefully it comes to some resolution for the player's health. But I would like to see more science, more research, and more actual facts rather than generic blame left, right, and center. That's and also call people out. If Pep Guardiola makes all the money he makes, it's also because Manchester City plays yeah. all the games that they do. Simple as. Atletico Madrid are reportedly seriously considering signing Mason Greenwood this summer. Jules, he's done well at Getafe on loan. Yeah. Um, how should Manchester United react? I think Manchester United want him out anyway, surely. I don't think, we said that before, I don't think he can play for that club again after everything that happened. So it's good for him that he's playing again, seems to enjoy his football in the Bordalas team, by the way, which can't be easy all the time. But you're right, he's can doing well. imagine going to work every day and seeing Bordalas? Um, so, so, yeah, I don't think there's really a future for him in England right now or at United. So, um, once the loan expires, they will look for a potential buyer or another loan or something like that. And then if, it, if Atletico want him, then, then so be it. I don't know, is he ready now to go at that kind of level? I'm not so sure, to be fair. I don't really know where he fits in that team either. At Atleti? Yeah, but uh, apart from off the bench, but he can't be a start. I don't see him as a starter for this team right now, the way Morata and Griezmann are playing together, even the impact that Correa is having. And they still have Memphis too. Yeah. Yeah, so I, 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 I don't know. but I, I almost think this Atletico thing is, is a way to draw attention to the fact that he could move, right? Because those four guys we mentioned, none of those guys have a real market to be, to, to be sold or moved on. I, mm. I don't know what their contractual situations are off the top of my head, right? But Griezmann's not going to leave. No, he's going to Morata, you assume, isn't going to leave. No. Correa might have a market. There was a chance a few years back, but he seems to be fine yeah. where he is. Memphis is the only one, but again, he seems happy in Madrid. So I, I do think what screws up Mason Greenwood forever, and I think people, people are okay with second chances, but if he has something to admit culpability for, he can't admit it because otherwise the police investigation yeah, yeah, yeah. That is what's so screwed up in this thing. Yeah. From United's perspective, you can't have him back. Yeah. Um, If you have to eat his contract, eat his contract. Inter have been busy extending contracts, Gab. Enric Mkhitaryan, Fede Di Marco and Matteo Darmian all getting new deals. Well done to them. Happy Christmas. <laughs> yeah, so I don't, you know, my thoughts on extending players over the age of 30. 
Damian was going to be free agent at the end of the season. He's fit. He's contributing. It's one more year to 2024. I'm yeah. okay with that. Mkhitaryan is two more years to 2026. The thinking with Mkhitaryan is also they were able to sneak that in. Remember, we talked yeah, earlier about the, the law, right? Slow, yeah. So they're, they're kind of getting him as a cheapie. He's 31 now, I yeah. think. So it's not crazy. DiMarco's the guy who deserves more money. Your to guy, a lot of, of money to give. Uh, but they gave him a one-year deal, one-year extension and a bump. Fair enough for him. So, well done. Yeah. Postacoglu and Postacoglu told the Spurs would pick up a central defender this January. Look, again, manager being honest with the media. That's good. Not being all like, well, it's none of your business or the club. We don't come in on speculation. No. Um, but media reports suggest they're linked to Genoa's uh, Radu Dragusin, who's Romanian and scored against Inter this weekend. Yeah. And Nice's Jean-Claire Todibo, who's obviously done very well after his early early career snafus yes. even though he has a girl's name um, it's not a girl's name Claire Jean-Claire there's no E at the end of Claire I know but it's funny to say <laughs> okay, oh, whatever well. who would you go for? Todibo 100% one because his father is born and bred uh, of course two because we played in the same team in the same club not team because I'm obviously older than him but the same club Le Lila big shout out big up to Le Lila in north of Paris uh, we had the same coach all of that so I love him very dearly and also I think I like Draguzin and he's having a great season with Genoa it's very much all about the physical battles right the duels with Draguzin yeah. I think Todibo it's is like getting match. Romero and like one guy gets sent off the other guy gets come in he gets sent <laughs> off and, you know, like. I think Todibo is a, is a more complete defender he yeah. can play more with the ball can come out with the okay. ball but I, love, I like Draguzin as well and Draguzin is slightly younger 21 too but, yeah, I would love to see Todibo and another Paris born and bred guy in, in London. And in, in I have a question. We talked about Varane and Lindelof and so on. Um, I'm just wondering, like, do you think Manchester United's new minority owner is unfamiliar with the people who own Nice and unfamiliar with Jean-Claire Todibo that... Shouldn't they be thinking about him? I think they are thinking about him. I think he was on the he was on the shortlist before Ineos got involved at United anyway. So him, Kefren Turam, Terem Mofi, who are probably Nice's three best players right now, are all on United's list. And United, I think, will have money to spend in January. So I would not... Uh, what's the words? I would not... Um, I think Todibo... Sorry, I think Todibo... I couldn't find the word. Todibo can also going go to Manchester United in January. Are you pretty sure that once this happens and Brailsford has a more, well, Brailsford's not going to suffer another system error like you had at Nice when he went for Aaron Ramsey and Schmeichel and all With Ian Moody, I doubt yeah. Ian Moody is going to be involved at United. But I don't know yet. We don't know yet. All right. But no, I don't think so. FAA in Spain are reporting that Barcelona will sue the investment firm that bought a share of their media company. Apparently, they never sent the money. Yeah, what? so FA, FA, by the way, um, they're like the Reuters or the Associated yeah, Press like of the Spain. Agency. Like, this is legitimate. It's not. So if you remember, one of Laporta's levers was um, to sell 49% of, uh, of Barcelona's media company, which used to run Barca Television, which might be coming back, apparently. Um, and their kind of media business. They sold 49% to something called Orpheus and also to Socios.com. Yeah. There's a solid business. Um, <laughs> and then I think when they realized, like, wait, we bought 49% of what? Um, then they, they did a deal with this company called Libero, which is this German investment company, very imaginative name. Yeah. Uh, and another company I've never heard of, which is Dutch, called Nipa, where they were going to buy 29% back. Now, According to Efe, this 
company Libra says, yeah, we'll pay you in installments. And they never sent the money. Really? So um, if this is true, obviously Barcelona very entitled to take uh, yeah, legal action. Yeah, for sure. You can't do that. I do wonder how much this company is actually is actually worth. Well, you don't think it's real or you don't think it's like they have the money? Well, but surely if you're Barca, you don't sell to anybody. I imagine you and I saying to Barca, hey, yeah, we buy the 49%. <laughs> surely yeah, you do I, some due diligence, some work, you realize that they are solid or not solid or serious or not serious. It, it's odd because Libero apparently, I went on their website and they mentioned about 50 times on their website that they're listed on the Frankfurt Stock Exchange. So there must be some regulation, there must yeah. be some assets, there must be, um, it's just odd that they haven't paid. Yeah, very odd. More Barca. Sport are linking. Oh. Sorry, this is a special one for you. Sport are linking Sergio Roberto, who is a free agent in June, with a move to Arsenal. <laughs> Jules, I think I know what you're going to say, but come on. You, the guy can play right back, right? The, the guy can play in central midfield. We were alone. talking before about sitting in front of the back four. You don't like Georgie? Would you like Sergio Roberto? I have only one thing ball? to say. Well, two words. No comment. That's all I can say. Chappie Ferrer says he's an attacking midfielder. Oh, my God. Please stop with Sergio Roberto. <laughs> Not to start the year. Inter are close to sealing a deal for... Te I never know how to say his first name. I think it's Tejon. Tejon. Buchanan from Bruges for around 8 million euros plus up to four in bonuses and commissions. Gab, some competition for Denzel Dumfries? Yeah, I want to point out Four million in commissions on an eight million deal. That's mm. a lot. Well, that's such good business. Brand, brand, We're going yeah. back to FIFA regulations, yeah. right? Um, I, I guess so. I mean, I, from what I'm told, and I've, I mean, I've seen him on TV. When I've seen him, he's played as an attacking right back. He has. So he, I'm told he's also, country as well. He's played as a right well. winger as well. Yeah. Um, I think competition's good. I think Dumfries. I think it's an open secret that. Inter's financial situation is still pretty horrendous. And that, so um, he'll be sold, do you think? If they don't renegotiate the deal with Oak Tree, they're going to lose the club in May, right? Yeah. Simple as. So I don't know if this is setting it up or you're just he's younger than Denzel Dumfries, so maybe maybe there's some thinking there. He looks like he looks like a player. I think mm. very fast athletic players yeah. often have an impact. It's a great move for him. Inter could use that. It's a good move yeah. for him too, yeah. Fabio Carvalho's loan spell at Leipzig hasn't quite worked out, Jules. Oh my god! Um, so he's back in Liverpool. How is how is Fabio Carvalho in this quick hits for the new year? Oh, he's a major. He's Liverpool oh star. Um, but it looks like he's going to go straight back out on loan again. Yeah, I mean he has. A, it's, which is sad. I was, I was only joking. And Fabio Carvalho is a is a really good talent. But just Leipzig, Marco Rosa, that team with a lot of competition in this position, to be fair to him. Is that why they signed, spent $25 million on the LF Elmas, so that they can have even more competition, spend a lot of money on guys? Maybe he's more of a 10 than Elmas. I, I don't know why. Or maybe they knew Carvalho would go back to Liverpool. So I, I just don't know why. I don't know why it didn't work out for him. I don't know if it was his you know, attitude problem on his side or just didn't work out in this kind of structure. It looks like he's going to be... Probably going to the championship now. The clubs that are linking to him, like Southampton, like Leicester, are really good championship and, you know, obviously ex Premier League teams. Uh, I'm not sure really there's a market for someone who hasn't played at all pretty much in six months, though. So th this, is, this is the only issue I have on, on him now. Reports in Germany, Gab, are linking Borussia Dortmund with Chelsea's Ian Madsen, your friend. Does this make sense to you, Gab? And is he to play as a winger again? Ooh, I would <laughs> with all the others. I think they have enough wingers at Borussia Dortmund. Um, I think it's pretty obvious that Pochettino does not see Matson as a viable left back. 
Um, well, no, he played him as like a left winger. He's played, right winger him, he's played him as a left back. He's he's he played Malo Gusto at left back uh, in the second half of that uh, uh, of that game against the horrible game against Palace. Yeah. You know that's how. I, so if he's not an option there, and he didn't want to uh, let him go on loan. Um, Matson is a Chelsea homegrown product, so you can whatever money you get for him, you can bank. Yeah, um, straight away. I think that's the thinking. It's the same thing with Conor Gallagher, right? People say like, "Oh, look," because hey, it's pure profit when you yeah. when you sell these guys. Accounting wise, um, I think he can contribute. I think he did really well at Burnley last year. I think he's fast. He's not very big. No. Okay, fine. That's but, for sure. You know, they have enough big players with Disazi, who's the size of a building, so and, and whatever else. So yeah. And Kukurea, another big player. <laughs> oh, my God. Whatever. More messy friends in yeah. Miami, Jules. Marcos Rojo has now been linked to. Oh, those asados are going to be good, aren't they? All the boys there <laughs> together. Tata Martino can come as well. And there'll probably be more. Marcos Rojo, who obviously went to Boca after his European career. To Boca, uh, now linked with Inter Miami. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I guess what Messi, Messi wants, Messi gets. Maybe is it, is it a bit of that? I do wonder. I don't know how many DPs they can have. Um, well, I do. I, I, I wonder if at some point, if you keep adding all these old guys, not only are you spending money, but I, I'm wondering if some people might go, as Rojo might just say, ah, screw it, I made enough money from Manchester United over the years. Let me go here and, yeah. like, you know, I'll pay for... Sergio Roberto as well, you can join them. Sergio Roberto, yeah, well, Sergio Roberto will be natural go. fit You can there. play right back and play. Yeah, can you, can you imagine? Reform? Wait, also, Jader Pique is only sort of kind of retired. True. If he goes there, he, he can join too and, yeah. and maybe start the Kings League in South Florida. True. I saw Puyol playing paddle the other day. He looked really fit. He can probably come back as well. Listen, we've got something here. No, I... And look, Sergio Roberto's going to come. Chapi Ferrer, of course, is a big Sergio Roberto fan. Maybe he can give you a few minutes off the bench. He's still looking pretty trim. No? Oh, my God. The Saudi Pro League announced that from next season, each club will be able to sign 10 non-Saudi players instead of the current eight. Okay. We saw that coming, didn't we? We did. I put this in because people are like flipping out. Oh, look, the Saudis. You know, like there's like this... There's a number of people who have just drunk the Kool-Aid on Saudi Arabia, on the Saudi Pro League. It's at all like it's going to become, you know, it's going to become bigger than the yeah. Liga, second biggest league in the world. But okay, we've seen the facts so far, right? The facts is that I don't know what attendances are like now. Um, a month ago, they were actually less than the year before, which yeah. blows my mind because oh look, suddenly you know Benzema and all these other guys are here, and Saudi Oman and whatever. But like, oh, like, I'm less interested in going to watch them, which makes no sense. Yeah. Don't understand, whatever. But so they, they can. So the wrinkle here is though the two extra non-Saudi players they can sign. They have to be under 21s, and also you can still only play eight on match days. Yeah. So I don't see how this really moves the needle. Yeah, you can chuck money at them. The other thing that we've seen is all these big money players are going to the same four clubs, plus a little bit. Some of them are going yeah. to at the fact to hang out with Jordan Henderson. But even then, if you look at the eight guys that at the fact has, you know, Jordan Henderson is the biggest star, right? Yeah. Not forgetting somebody. And, and Jordan, they lost eight in a row, something like that as well now. Yeah, but um, Steven Gerrard under pressure, maybe? Yeah, I think so. But, but, but I'm saying when Jordan Henderson is your biggest star, yeah. the guy who's your eighth biggest star will be, be comparatively like yeah. some dude you haven't heard of, right? Yeah. So... 
no, I don't think this is this is a thing. I don't think this moves the needle at all. Jules, all season long, I've been wondering where Hugo Lloris oh. was and what he was up to. Now I know. My After boy. his little break, he's heading for Hollywood. Oh, my boy. He texted me on whenever it was Wednesday or Thursday. He was so happy to go to L.A., to LAFC. Instead so, of going to Saudi Arabia, I'm shocked. Well, no, but not just that. But not... And, and, for the last chapter of his career, of course, because he's 37. But after 11 years as Spurs in London, even if the last six months, obviously, were a little bit special because he was there, because he could not move in the summer, he just didn't find another club. So he was at the club uh, training but not playing for six months. And now finally he can go back to his career and finish it in style, hopefully, in one of the best clubs in MLS, who obviously lost the last final of the MLS Cup. And, and enjoy it. And I think he will bring his professionalism. He will bring that leadership. He's such a nice guy. The elegance, everything. I'm so happy for him. Really happy for him. I, I also like the fact that he didn't go and chase one last paycheck. Because I don't know how much he's going to make at LAFC, but I'm 100% certain it's going to be sure. less than he would have made in Saudi. And the tribute he got from the Spurs fans, by the way, before the Bournemouth game on, on New Year's Eve was, was really beautiful because he would be a club legend forever. So, no, well done to him. The Turkish Super Cup between Galatasaray and Fenerbahce was due to be played in Saudi Arabia, but was cancelled just a few hours before kickoff. Okay, I got a couple of things to say here. So the reason it was cancelled is it's the 100th anniversary of um, Kemal Ataturk, yeah. kind of who kind of made the modern Turkey, and he made a bunch of changes. He turned Turkey into a secular country. It's the 100th anniversary, I think, of him coming to power in, in 1923. Um, Ataturk is still a revered figure very much in, in Turkey. It's the reason yeah. why they don't write in Arabic and stuff like that in, in Turkey. They right? the alphabet, did a bunch of things. Um, they were going to wear T-shirts sort of remembering him. Um, the Saudi authorities said, no, you can't wear those T-shirts because it's a political message. Um, and so in the end, they said, fine, we're not playing. Now, wherever you stand on this, and was it the a political message? What? In they don't like the fact that he was more secular or whatever. But whatever, whatever the feelings are, I'm not going to get into yeah. that. That's a political thing. You knew. You can go to Wikipedia and find out it was the 100th anniversary. You knew ahead of time that Kemal Ataturk is perhaps the most important figure in Turkey for the last 150 years. He's the one guy both sides tend to agree on. Yeah, right? but did they know that they were going to wear something in tribute of him? You sorted out beforehand. And this is what I don't get, right? You, Turkish FA, are happy to take money from Saudi. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a go at both sides, right? You're happy to take money for them to, to organize. It's not like they, will, they paid their own way there, right? to organize this game and play in Saudi Arabia. There's a whole political element, too, because alliances, politics, whatever. But let's leave that to one side. You Saudis knew it was likely something like this was going to happen. Yeah. So unless somebody produces a contract, and maybe there is a contract, I mean, we'll find out, where he says, you cannot wear the Ataturk shirts, there can be no references to Ataturk, whatever. What did you think they were going to do? I used to I know, so unnecessary. Remember in the champ in the Asia Champions League, we had a problem like that when was it Persepolis or yeah, they went to Iran? Or, yeah, and it they, was similar. They did, but but that was different. I mean, that was in Iran, right? Yeah, and but, so Iran said, "Hey, our stadium, our leagues. Here, you're invited to play." Um, I, I I think this has turned into a political football from both sides, 
And I find it difficult to reconcile the fact that the Saudi, whoever made this decision, where well, you're so insecure about a T-shirt, yeah. about a guy in a different country who, who died 50 years ago. You know, I, I don't, I, it's, yeah, it's, I it's ugly, it's it ugly. Is. This it is, is politics interfering with football and whichever way you slice it, it's, it's ugly. But Jules, hopefully we can leave that yeah, in 2023. Let's talk 2024 now, which is yeah. where we are. Uh, we're gonna. This brings us to an end. Obviously, that we're gonna be back um, because there's more Premier League action. Of course, there's La Liga action. Um, so we're gonna be back on Thursday. And until then, love the game, love your neighbor, love yourself. <laughs> <laughs>